0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are Locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today is a mailbag episode where we'll spend a lot of time talking about Kyle Pitts and ways for the Falcons to get more production out of him, whether or not he's a wide receiver or a tight end. We'll get into that and more later on today's Locked on Falcons. You are Locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman. been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falfans.com. RIP, still going strong on Twitter, at FoulFans, writing occasional weekly content for the Falcoholic, the SB Nation website for the Atlanta Falcons. And of course, the host of this Illustrious Locked On Falcons Podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I want to thank you for making Locked On Falcons your first listen each and every day. Of course, Locked On Falcons is free and available on a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Google, and Spotify, as well as now free and available on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the Locked On Falcons YouTube channel. Make sure you hit give us that thumbs up and leave a comment and all that sort of jazz. So today is a Q&A episode. There are some leftover questions that were sent in, a couple of them, you know, more than two weeks ago that I did not get the chance to answer over the past two weeks. And that includes sort of Kyle Pitts and why he has not been as productive. As we thought. And again, that question was from two weeks ago, and we have seen Kyle Pitts come off a very big game. And we'll we'll get into sort of how the Falcons exactly utilize Kyle Pitts. Uh, And the fact is that they kind of utilize him a little bit more like a wide receiver uh, than a true tight end. At least in some of his comparisons, statistical comparisons. And that will lead us into a second question where a listener asks whether or not Kyle Pitts is a wide receiver or a tight end. And we'll sort of get into that conversation and whether or not the Falcons in the future should be trying to make Kyle Pitts into more of a wide receiver. Or a tight end. And then we have some other questions uh, along the line of scrimmage. We got a question about whether Matt Gano is in the mix to potentially come back next year and what his role could or should be. We'll be talking a little bit about whether or not the Falcons should be trading uh, Deion Jones and, and Calvin Ridley and what type of compensation they could get back for them, as well as a listener sending in a question about a potential draft strategy where the Falcons address their defensive line needs at the top of the 2022 draft. So we'll get into all of that. Uh, on today's Locked on Falcons Q&A Friday mailbag to wrap up the 2021 calendar year. Happy New Year for those of you guys uh, sort of just clearing out the mailbag at the end of the calendar year. And if you want to sort of submit your questions for be the first questions potentially asked at the start of the 2022 calendar year at some point next week in January, of course, you can submit your questions via Twitter at Locked on Falcons via Facebook at Locked on Falcons. You can leave a comment on the Locked on Falcons YouTube YouTube channel, or uh, you can submit an email to lockdownfalcons at mail dot com. So, our first question is an email question. It comes from Josh W. He asks, "Can you explain why the Falcons can't get Kyle Pitts going? My maybe my expectations are too high for him." He is a unicorn after all, but all the balls to him seem heavily contested. Is it a lack of separation or a lack of creativity in play calling slash route concepts? And also why are the Falcons having success running to the left now? Any changes or is your boy Mayfield improving or executing? Um, So Josh sent in this question after the Panthers game, immediately after the Panthers game a couple of weeks back. So that's my bad, Josh, on, on not getting to it earlier, but, It is somewhat topical given that since then Kyle Pitts has been named to the Pro Bowl and he's coming off his first 100-yard game uh, since week seven going up against the Lions team. And the question is yes. Uh, to answer your questions, right? Uh, It is somewhat a lack of separation, but that's kind of normal for tight ends as gifted as Kyle Pitts is. He's not necessarily going to get Julio Jones or Calvin Ridley levels of separation from defenders. So I think if you're expecting that from him, you're probably going to be a little disappointed. And yes, some of his issues are related to the route concepts. You know, Arthur Smith does not necessarily run these complimentary route Concept they're kind of vanilla. That was a knock that Tyler Rowland, the host of Locked On Titans, uh, talked about when we had him back on the podcast back in January, early February, to talk about Arthur Smith's offense. That was an observation I had when I talked about Arthur Smith's offense after watching the film. He's certainly not a Josh McDaniels or Kyle Shanahan type of person. In that regard, that's running a lot of complimentary routes that are really opening up opportunities. He does that from time to time, certainly. And Pitts has been utilized to be the guy that's opening up more routes for others than necessarily having those other guys open out routes for him. So maybe if and when the Falcons get better receivers, potentially Calvin really coming back and, and adding more options there, you will see, uh, more opportunities for Kyle Pitts, but you know, Pitts did have a good day against the Lions, and so the question is, what changed? Obviously, you um, saw um, that big play to him. Obviously, there was a dip in competition, given the Lions aren't necessarily a juggernaut of a defense, so those are part of it. You saw that big play, that 35-yard play down the field. And so my initial expectations when watching the film and then – going back to look at the stats was like, oh, well they also got him a little bit more involved on some underneath throws. But then when I looked at the, the PFF metrics and and started to do a little bit more research, only about 33% of his targets against the lions were on throws that were 10 yards or less, those underneath throws. And when you look at his production throughout the entire season, about 46%, of all his targets have been 10 yards or less or or under 10 yards. And I guess nine yards or less uh, this season. So it wasn't as if the Falcons dialed up more of that in this lions game. And that prompted me to go further down the rabbit hole and started looking at how Pitts is, targets based off of the depth of the throw uh, stack up against not only top tight ends like Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller, but also former Falcon tight ends like Austin Hooper and and Hayden Hurst, who's still with the team, um, you know, in what he did last year. And um, what was interesting is Pitt's depth of target and his breakdown is not as similar to those guys as you would think, you know, he has an abnormally high percentage of intermediate targets. Those, throws that are 10 to 19 yards uh, in the air. 43% of Kyle Pitts targets come in that intermediate range. And you compare that to what Hayden Hurst had last year, which was only 19%. Uh, Hooper was 30% in 2019. It was 15% for Hooper in 2018. You look at Travis Kelsey in 2020, 30%, 29% again this season in 2021. Darren Waller in 2020 was 24%, 26% this year. So, Pitts having 43% is significantly higher than those guys. And what's notable is I started to go like, hmm, I wonder what A.J. Brown's numbers look like. Uh, And I noticed his intermediate targets were a little closer to Kyle Pitts, 39% in 2019 in the first year under Arthur Smith, 38% in 2020. And then now it's come up to 47% this year with Arthur Smith now in Atlanta and whoever, I forget who the play caller is. Shane Bowen's the D coordinator and some other dude is the office coordinator. I forgot who it is. But uh, uh Titan fans don't yell at me. But um and then you look at uh AJ Brown's underneath throws And 42% of his throws in 2019 were under 10 yards. Again, Pitts is at 46% this year, 49% for A.J. Brown in 2020. And so you see a lot of similarities between, at least based off of depth of target, uh, between Kyle Pitts and A.J. Brown. More so, uh, a lot more comparison uh, between Pitts and Brown than there is with Pitts and Kelsey or Pitts and Hooper, et cetera, with some, than some of these other tight ends. Um, and, you know, what was also interesting is I noticed, and, and this is true of all receivers, not just wide receivers or just tight ends, is that most receivers tend to get less efficient catching the football the further the the ball is thrown, right? And, you know, for example, you go back to Austin Hooper's final year in Atlanta uh, in 2019, 90, he caught 90% of the, the throws his way, according to PFF, that were under 10 yards, 64% of the intermediate throws, and then 50% of those deep throws that are 20 plus yards down the field. And Kyle Pitts, when you look at that, his breakdown, it's 64% on the underneath throws, 67% uh, that he catches on the intermediate throws and 64% on the deep throws. Um, So, you know, that's pretty crazy that he's Pretty much efficient, regardless of where you, whether you're throwing him a four yard pass or a twenty four yard pass he's going to be just as likely to come down with the football based off of this year's metrics and so uh it, it was interesting to sort of see um that from Kyle Pitts because my assumption would be like, oh, we would see a bigger boost in Kyle Pitts 's production going back to what I initially thought before I started looking this up, coming out of the heels of the lions game is like, Oh, if he got a lot more of those underneath throws, like Kelsey, like Waller, like Hooper, like Hearst does, you would see him be able to pad his stats a lot more, but clearly at least based off of those numbers, because he's not more efficient catching those underneath throws and he is the intermediate stuff that, you know, giving him a lot more of those four and five yard passes is not going to really pad his numbers any uh than it seems to be. So, you know, One of the knocks that was, you know, used to justify the team letting Austin Hooper go was because he tended to pad his stats a little bit on those sort of dink and dunk throws. Um, And, you know, you know, again, that's part of it where it felt like there was a lot of meat left on the bone with Kyle Pitts, but that's not the case really. So, um, you know, I think to answer your last question, we got more to talk about with Kyle Pitts. We'll get into that later, but, to answer your last question, in terms of the team's success running to the left, uh, I, you know, this is something I, I I take mental notes of when I'm watching the film, but I'm not taking like detailed notes of the offense um, like I am when I'm charting the defense. So I can't give you specifics on why the Falcons have had more success running left, but at least if you're buying into the PFF grades, it does seem like you're getting more positively graded games from Jalen Mayfield from Jake Matthews. Over the last four to six weeks, than you were earlier in the season. You're also getting more positively graded games from the tight end group. Um, again, it's not every single week that they're grading highly, but you're getting a lot more games in the 70s or in the green range on the PFF grades. Uh, you know, over the last four to six weeks from you know, Lee Smith and, and Pitts and hearse, uh, as well as Matthews and Mayfield, then you were getting earlier in the season when it was a lot of orange, a lot of yellow that's in that, you know, 40, 50 range or whatever the case may be. So I think that's probably a factor in it. And probably one of the projects I'll partake in, you know, shortly after the season is over is going back and looking at every run snap, because that's something I'll probably wind up doing ahead of the year in positional reviews, uh, particularly when it gets to the offensive line to really look at, okay, let's actually chart, um, How everybody's performing on each individual run play over the course of a season. Um, and that's maybe something I'll do after the season, but probably not until then. I'm I'm very behind on my film watching uh, so far this season, so uh, I apologize in advance. So uh, that will do it for that portion of the Kyle Pitts portion of this episode. But we got more to talk about Kyle Pitts and and really taking a, a deeper look in terms of whether or not Kyle Pitts is really a wide receiver masquerading as a tight end. Again, some of those numbers, at least the comparison between him and AJ Brown, seems to be suggesting that. But we'll get further into that and. And have a conversation about whether or not Kyle Pitts will be better suited being bulked up this, you know, in the future to be more of that tight end or to stick uh, and and be more of that wide receiver moving forward. And we'll get into that as we continue today's Q&A episode of the podcast. But before we get there, guys, the new year is coming up. And, of course, everybody's trying to eat healthier and you know, a great way to do that is by checking out Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. Built Bars are rich with decadent flavor covered in chocolate. They taste just like a candy bar, but they're healthy too. They're low in sugar, calories, carbs, and fat, but high in protein and fiber. You get the best of both worlds, both delicious and healthy. There's so many flavors it's hard to choose from, but you don't have to choose because right now, site-wide, Built Bar is offering a 22% discount to ring in the new year on everything. That they have at built.com. That's built bars, built bites, built broth, built boost, All of that's 22% off while supplies last. And if you've been on the fence about trying, any of the built products. Now's the time to do so. If you've been a convert all along over the last year, plus that we've been promoting built bars on this podcast, by all means, you got to take advantage of this great discount now at the end of the year. And again, it's not just a 22% off that you're getting. You're also getting another 15% off with that promo code that we've been pushing all year long. Lock 15, that gives you an extra 15% off on top of that. I'm not a math expert, but that seems to suggest that you're probably getting 37% off all built products. Products. If you go right now to built.com and use that promo code lock 15 to get the additional 15% off on top of the 22% off again, that's promo code lock 15 at built.com to get those great savings to ring in the new year. So our next question comes from the dude at dude order on Twitter. Yes. Friday mailbag. Falc fans is Kyle Pitts a wide receiver masquerading as a tight end. Josh stitcher and Ryan nine farmer and myself are seeking your expert opinion. So this has been something that's been raging in my mentions for the last couple of days since uh the dude uh submitted this question and you know I haven't been paying attention. But uh you know I think the answer is yes Kyle Pitts is a wide receiver kind of masquerading as a tight end. I would sit here and say for all three of you and anybody else out there you probably shouldn't waste that much energy or like brain cells on whether or not Kyle Pitts is a WR or a T-E, uh, it doesn't really matter. It's not that consequential to you. It's certainly consequential to his agent uh, because, you know, when it comes to paying his fifth-year option in a couple of years uh, and or, you know, if he gets, you know, franchise tagged, it's going to matter to those guys because it's going to be the difference between a few million dollars that he can make uh, potentially. Uh, but for those of us that are fans, like, you know, it doesn't really matter all that much. And so, you know, The reason why I say, yes, he's kind of a wide receiver is because when you look at the 708 snaps that Kyle Pitts has played this year, according to PFF, 32% of them have come Being an inline player, 37% have had him lined up in the slot. 31% have had him lined up wide. And if you break it down based off of pass versus run on passing downs, 22% of his snaps come in line, 44% in the slot and 34% out wide on run plays. It's 56% in line, 20% in the slot and 23% out wide. So when you hear people, including myself saying like, oh, 75 to 85, 80% of the time, uh, Kyle Pitts is essentially lined up as a wide receiver, that's where those numbers are coming from, particularly on those passing downs where it's 78% currently. Uh, so you just round up to 80%. So, you know, I think the Falcons are going to have to make a choice in the future when it comes to Kyle Pitts, whether or not to embrace him as a wide receiver and, and continue him in this AJ Brown esque role that we pointed out earlier on today's episode, or to potentially bulk him up and, and make him a true, or at least more of an inline tight end than he actually is. I didn't look up the numbers for guys like Kelsey and Waller, but I'm pretty sure that they spend a lot more of their passing down slots, uh snaps, probably closer to 40% of their snaps in line. The last time I remember looking at those numbers, but I didn't look them up before jumping on this podcast. Uh, so for me, my preference, and I stress the word preference because it's a question mark and I don't necessarily feel like there's a definitive answer here. It's just a matter of what your preference is and in terms of what you want to see from Kyle Pitts moving forward. Uh, and I, I, I'm I good with either choice that the Falcons may make on this decision. But my preference would be to have him bulk up and be more of an inline, a true inline tight end. Again, you're still going to get a lot of snaps of him playing in the slot, not wide, but it's probably not going to be 75 to 80%. Maybe it's only 60%. Maybe it's 55%. Something like that, I think is, is ideal because right now you're, you're kind of seeing when he's more of this wide receiver, you're seeing, Instances like we've seen so far this season where teams are putting their best uh, man coverage corner on him, whether that's Xavier Howard, whether that's Stephon Gilmore, whether that's Marshawn Lattimore. And those aren't matchups that Pitts has consistently won uh, this season. You know, Kyle Pitts is very special, but, you know, watching him this year, I'm not getting the feeling that he's, you know, that Julio Jones, that Megatron level wide receiver as a pure wide receiver guy that, you know, he was often hyped to be. He certainly has the athletic profile of those guys, but as a pure player and route runner, I don't see that type of uh, receiver threat in that guy to to gain the separation that we were talking about earlier in the show. So I feel like having him spend more of his reps as an inline tight end and asking him to run more routes from that position is is going to put defenses in a bind, in a dilemma. They're either going to be forced if they want to have their top outside corner like a Gilmore, like a Lattimore on him, they're going to force that guy's going to move inside, and that's going to leave an opportunity for whoever the Falcons have lining up outside at wide receiver to get a mismatch on a lesser cornerback there. So that creates opportunities for that guy, if that's Calvin Ridley or somebody else of course, and if they don't do that, which is what most teams elect to do and not have their, you know, uh, outside receivers uh, be more or their outside corners be more vulnerable by putting their top guy inside, that's still going to get Kyle Pitts matched up against a linebacker or a safety more often. And that's going to be a major mismatch for a guy like Kyle Pitts. Um, and then on top of that, if he can become a little bit more of a reliable blocker, that's going to also benefit given how we know Arthur Smith wants to be that physical uh, run football team. So you're getting the best of both worlds in that regard. Um, and, you know, if you're sitting here saying, Oh, but if he bulks up, if he gets up to like 250 255 or whatever the case may be he might lose a step in terms of the speed department but i i wouldn't be too worried about that especially with him as a more of a true tight end. like you know he was he ran a 444 at 245 pounds so let's imagine let's say he puts on 10 or 12 pounds of muscle and now he runs a 454 or whatever the case may be 454 is below average speed for a wide receiver. Uh, it would be like 37th percentile among wide receivers based off of mockdraftable.com's combine data. Uh, but it would still be 92nd percentile as far as 40 speed for a tight end. 454 four would be, uh, and it would be like 90th percentile, I think, for a linebacker. So he would make him faster than 90% of the linebackers that come into the NFL. And I think it's like 58th percentile uh, against safeties. Uh, so and, and then you're not really worried about him outrunning safeties because the whole point is, you know, his six five frame and his seven foot wingspan is what you want against those safeties. You, again, the whole idea behind drafting Kyle Pitts. Is, is he's too fast for linebackers and too big for safeties to cover so that to me would be the ideal way of utilizing i'd like to see him bulk up a little bit more you know he 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 was 245 at his pro day i don't know just eyeballing it i have no idea but uh he looks more like he's 235 he just looks very skinny at this point in time so you know if, if that means putting on another 15 even 20 pounds of muscle I wouldn't be complaining about that. So I would like to see him more as a true T E in the future, but if the Falcons continue to utilize him more as a W R in the future, then that's fine with me as well. I just think, you know, I would prefer uh, it to go in another direction. So to answer your question, the dude, yes, he is kind of a, a wide receiver masquerading as a tight end, but that may not be the case in the future. We'll just sort of have to see how it goes. So, that's where we'll leave it with the Kyle Pitts part of the conversation. We'll talk a little bit more offensive line talking about Matt Gano. We'll be talking about the trade value of guys like Deion Jones and Calvin Ridley and whether or not the Falcons best strategy is going to defensive linemen at the top of their 2022 draft class as we wrap up today's mail bag episode but before we get there guys I want to thank you again for making Lockdown Falcons your first listen each and every day and I always have recommendations for what your second listeners should be in addition to Lockdown Bulldogs you should be checking out the ultimate college football playoff preview 2021 it's its own feed on the Lockdown Podcast Network if you subscribe to the NFL preview that we did earlier this year then you are still subscribed to the ultimate college football playoff preview that is on this, that is same feed and if you're not subscribed to that feed all you got to do is go to your favorite podcast platform and search for the ultimate college football playoff preview and your those are giving you updates betting advice and and in-depth breakdowns of all the matchups from the local experts here on the lockdown podcast network ahead of this weekend's game so go check out the ultimate college football playoff preview 2021 on your preferred podcast platform It is the holiday season and BetOnline has had you covered all season long and still does with more odds, props, and lines as we march towards those college football playoffs as well as the NFL playoffs. BetOnline is the number one spot for all your sports action, whether we're talking playoff football, regular season basketball and hockey, boxing, UFC, all the way to your favorite Vegas casino games. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. If you're interested in some of the lines for some of those big playoff games this weekend, I think tonight, as most of you are listening, to this on Friday. Georgia is a seven and a half point favorite over Michigan. Alabama is 13 and a half point favorite over Cincinnati. Wherever you feel like on those particular lines or maybe you feel good about the Falcons being 14 and a half point underdogs against the Buffalo Bills, BetOnline is the place to go with their new updated desktop or mobile site at betonline.ag and when you go there make sure you sign up with the promo code locked on you'll get a 50% welcome bonus that means if you deposit 100 bucks you get $50 in free money to play with. Don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers available at BetOnline where the game starts. So our next question comes from TJ. He asks, Matt Gano is, is he going to play this year? Does he get extended or start at right tackle next year? McGarry is bad. And so is Mayfield both need to be replaced. Would it be possible to get a second rounder for Dion Jones or Calvin Ridley? And if each or both were to be traded, would it be financially beneficial to the Falcons? So no, we are not taking any trips to Caleb McGarry or or Jalen Mayfield Island today. I know, um, you know, it, Obviously, I don't think Matt Gano is going to play this year. Um, as far as his future in Atlanta beyond this season, I'm not going to necessarily hold my breath. I'd love to see him resigned. And yes, despite those frequent trips to Caleb McGarry Island that we have made over the last couple of months, I do believe that Matt Gano is a better player and should, uh, if he gets the opportunity to compete with him for a starting spot, should win that spot uh, because I, I think that. And unfortunately, untimely injuries like the one he suffered this past summer, as well as the one he suffered in 2019 when Caleb McGarry was first drafted, have prevented us from really seeing that come to fruition. And then in 2020, when he did get some opportunities to start when McGarry was out of the lineup, but for the most part, he never really got an opportunity to win that starting job because we were more concerned at that time with the left guard position with James Carpenter, as we are remain concerned with the left guard position going into 2022 uh, in hoping that Matt Donald's versatility and potential could help solve that problem more so than uh, addressing the right tackle position. Uh, but I would love to see the Falcons bring Matt Gano, but I'm not going to expect this regime to have that sort of loyalty to Gano because essentially he got hurt with an undisclosed injury. The, the most we know about is a neck injury, which is you know potentially a s- serious injury, but he injured himself you know, either in late May or early June, basically in the middle of OTAs or at the end of OTAs uh, during mini camps and whatnot. Um, and we don't really know the severity of that injury. Again, it's, an, it's a potential neck injury, and those can potentially be career threatening, uh, specifically for an offensive lineman, given that those guys are being expected to fire off the ball when they're run blockers head first a lot. And so that puts you uh, in danger in that regard. So basically, I would love to see it, but I'm not going to hold my breath that Matt Gano going to be back next year. But certainly when we get to the the free agent previews and whatnot, you're going to see me advocate for the Falcons bringing back Matt Gono and being upset if and when the Falcons don't bring back Matt Gono. But I'm setting my expectations low as I often do. As for uh, getting a second rounder for Deion Jones and Calvin Ridley, I would say probably not for Jones. My expectation is you can be hopeful for a third round pick for Dion Jones, but you're probably going to be settling for like a fourth round pick for him, Uh, given the size of his contract. The acquiring team that would acquire Dion Jones would basically be inheriting a two year, $22 million deal that's left to be paid on his contract. And that still makes him one of like the 12 highest paid off ball linebackers. I think he's currently number seven based off his current, uh, the full length of his contract. Uh, So, you know, essentially you're trading Dion Jones because it's a salary dump right? You're not really trading him to get value. You're getting whatever you can get. And so if that's a fourth round pick, then that you'll take that. And maybe you ship him to a team like the Jets or somebody like that uh, for that price tag. you know. And if if someone's like, oh, we'll only give you a six round pick then you I think you kind of have to take that too, because at this point in time, you're just dumping a salary. Um, as for Calvin Ridley, I would have to say, yes, you better get a second round pick if you're going to wind up trading uh, Calvin Ridley. I'll go on the record and say that I don't think Calvin Ridley is done in Atlanta. I see no reason to think that he is, but I know that's a, a popular opinion out there, but uh, let's imagine for a, a second that for the first time ever, I'm wrong about a thing. No, I'm kidding. But um, you know, let's say that the Falcons do wind up trading him. Um, you know, ideally you're getting a first round pick for him, but obviously because of all the stuff that has gone on this year, the lack of production, the mental health issues, uh, maybe that knocks it down to a second round pick, but uh, I think you got to try to get a top 50 pick for him because if you're not getting that, then I don't think there's really any point to trading him because his on-field value is going to be worth more than a lower pick than that. Or at least I should say his potential on-field value is worth more than that because we're assuming that Arthur Smith figures out how to use Calvin Ridley uh, next year, which he hasn't quite yet figured out based off of what we saw this upcoming season. But we're not going to talk about that on today's episode. Maybe we'll get into that on the positional year end review when we get to the wide receiver group uh, next month. But um, if you are keeping him for 2022, uh, And then he's, you know, his contract expires after this next season uh, and he potentially walks in free agency, given that the price tag of a premium wide receiver like Calvin really is going to be high. And we know that the Falcons aren't necessarily in a position to be throwing out, you know, 18 to 20 million dollar contracts uh, anytime soon uh, to anybody, uh, really. Um, so if he winds up getting picked up by another team, you know, they're going to probably sign him to a lucrative deal, and you're probably going to get a 2024 compensatory draft pick when that happens. And you compare that to what the Lions are getting this year from losing Kenny Galladay last year, a third round pick, or what the Titans are getting from the Jets uh, or not getting from Jets, but getting from the NFL for losing Corey Davis. That's a fourth round pick. So you're looking at a a pretty, uh, a pretty high pick uh, if you just do nothing and keep Calvin Ridley and let him walk. So to me, the idea is if you're going to lose out on that on-field value, it better be worth it in the immediate short term. And thus, to me, you got to start the bidding at a a high second round pick or else you're just, it's not to me really worth it. His his value on the field is is going to exceed a late second round pick or or certainly an, an early third round pick at this point in time. So yes, to answer your question, you would be saving money trading both players It's about $9 million in savings. If you trade Deion Jones, it's about $11 million in trading Calvin Ridley. But unlike Jones, again, I don't think trading Calvin Ridley should be considered a salary dump. You're... To me, the scenario that leads to Calvin really getting traded is basically if he asks to get traded, if he basically says, I don't want to play in Atlanta, you guys aren't talking about giving me a long-term contract, and I want to go to a team that is going to be talking to me about giving a long-term contract, and that would be understandable from his perspective and certainly from the team's perspective, where I think again, the circumstances are makes it where the Falcons are reluctant to give out any big contracts to anybody, whether we're talking about Calvin Ridley or Grady Jarrett or Matt Ryan, or any of these guys that we're talking about um, and let alone given the other uh, circumstances surrounding Calvin Ridley uh, may make the team a little bit even more hesitant than they normally would be uh, given other players. And so, you know, we've seen this before with other, you know, wide receivers, That they, you know, they want to get those big contracts. They're seeing all these guys getting paid elsewhere. And they're like, why not me? And if the Falcons aren't going to provide that, then send me someplace that is going to provide that. And we've seen that happen time and time again around the league. So, you know, to me, basically, I'm, I'm saying that because... You know, there's a tendency for people to want to label one side or the other the bad guy in these types of situations. And I don't think this is a situation where that would fit in this scenario where the Falcons do decide to part ways with Calvin Ridley, assuming that's how it goes down. But uh, we'll just, you know, we don't know how that's going to go. So, um, you know, I would basically say I will end it on this. You know, if you are in the camp that the Falcons lack talent. You know, I think it's hard for you to justify being also in the camp of let's trade Calvin Ridley, particularly for a day two pick, because you know, a day two pick is at best like got like a forty percent chance of turning into a good player and, and certainly has considerably less chances of turning into a Pro Bowl caliber player like Calvin Ridley. So again, you would probably be looking at it again, going back to that on field value that Calvin Ridley Gives you That if you're concerned about the lack of talent on this team currently trading away, Calvin Ridley is is certainly hurting your ability uh, to enhance the talent of this team, even if it's only for one more season. Um, I think, you know, if you if talent, lack of talent is that much of a concern to you, then you would take one year of Calvin Ridley over, you know, a second or third round pick or whatever the case may be. So um, I hope that answers your question, TJ. We got one more question. From Jim, he asked for all the talk about the weak offensive line and need for a solid left guard. The priorities in the upcoming draft have to be edge in the interior defensive line. Our defensive line places little, if any, pressure on opposing quarterbacks. It has been that way for years and never improves. As you know, Tack McKinley and Deidre's not being recent examples save Grady Jarrett. We lack talent, not coaching or effort on the defensive line. Top two picks must be on the defensive line. Use our second Second round pick. Thank you, Titans, to trade up if necessary. What do you think from Jim? Sure, Jim. Yeah, it sounds pretty plausible. I don't disagree with anything you said. Um, But what I will say, Jim, and I will say this to anybody else who's probably only started checking out the show in the last six months since last draft. When you sort of asked me these kind of vague draft related questions, like, and again, no offense to you, Jim. You know, I'm not going to probably be as opinionated as you probably want. You know, I'm not necessarily into this. Let's draft positions. Um, You know, I'm about drafting players. That's ultimately what teams are doing. And that's to me, my perspective is like, you know, give me some, if you want some actual feedback, give me some actual players to talk about rather than just sort of vague positions uh, like let's get an rush and let's get an interior defense line. Okay, sure. Sounds great in theory, but who are you getting? You know, and I, I, this is a trend. Um, that I see far too often where fans get too focused on the positions that players play, particularly when it comes to the draft rather than the actual players, uh, you know they look at it like, okay, position x is our biggest need, so we need to take that in round one, position y is our second biggest need, that needs to be our round two pick, and position Z is our third biggest need, that's a th- third round pick, and so on and so forth. Um, but that's not really how the draft works you know and, and if you're a team that drafts that way, um, then you're going to wind up being basically the Oakland Raiders or the Las Vegas Raiders. And that's probably not even fair to to categorize them. You're going to wind up basically reaching on a whole bunch of players uh, often, more often than not, and you're going to wind up, why are we not getting the same value with our first, second, and third round picks as everybody else seems to be getting? Um, You should be drafting the best players, and ideally that lines up to being at some of your biggest positions of need, but it's not always going to be the case uh, because not every draft is created equal and not every player is created equal. And certainly not every player is going to be a good fit in your scheme. Like there's going to be so many people sitting here suggesting the Falcons take this offensive lineman, but he's not a good fit in the outside zone scheme that the Falcons deploy because he can't, you know, that's part of the issue that goes on with Jalen Mayfield, right? That's part of the issue that goes on with Kayla McGarry and whatnot um and so like if you're sitting here suggesting hey let's take two defensive linemen with our first two picks okay I'm like I'm like cool theoretically that makes a ton of sense and i agree with you but who are you getting like because on one hand you can get tack mckinley and marlon davidson as those two top picks and that's not really going to move the needle for you right or you're going to get tj watt or stefan to it like the steelers did uh several years back um and you know that would certainly if you're getting those types of players that's going to certainly move the needle for your defense so You know, my, my recommendation to Jim and anybody else out there, you know, if you say, Hey, what about drafting this position or that position? Like, sure, fine, whatever, you know, but if you, you know, cause I, I can't give you any real feedback other than just vagaries about like, Hey, I think this position is strong in this draft and, you know. I, I don't know, like I haven't done enough homework to really give you that type of feedback. But if you give me specific players and ask me my opinion about specific players, and again, I'm still early in the process. So maybe not send these questions in, in January, but once we get to February and whatnot, and we start doing mock draft Mondays, I, I can give you a little bit more feedback on the specific players. Cause I will have done much more homework by that point in time. But like, if you give me that, if you ask me those questions, I can give you some real feedback for that. So uh, that would be my recommendation to you, Jim and anybody else out there that submits similar questions. But uh, if you want to submit uh, similar or different questions, of course, you can do so on Twitter or Facebook at Falcons via email at LockedOnFalcons at mail.com, or you can submit a comment on Falcons YouTube channel. That is going to do it, guys, for this week. We'll be back obviously on Sunday with a rapid reaction to whatever happens in this Buffalo Bills game. Uh, The Falcons did play one more player on their COVID reserve list with Jason Spriggs going on that list uh, on Thursday. So we'll see how that plays out for them in the future. Appreciate it guys. Uh, Make sure you check out the locked on bets podcast where you're getting daily picks from handicapping expert, Lee Sterling every day to give you his blowout specials, his daily picks and his lock of the day. So check out locked on bets. Appreciate it, guys. Hope you have a great uh, weekend. Stay safe out there for New Year's Eve. Until then.